Hey guys, it's the HR. Welcome back to D&D Talk. Now, as with D&D Talk, usually we're talking about uh, classes or rules of D&D. Last time we were talking about Artificer, we're not talking about classes today, or races, we're not doing any of that. Today, I'm actually going to talk about something that actually happened to me today, believe it or not. Because, for the first time in a long time, I DM'd a one-shot. Now, if you guys have been on the channel, you saw that I actually used to DM a campaign, and I myself was not that good at it. I'm not a great DM, I'm an, a man okay DM, because the fact that I like... I come up with these ideas, but then all of a sudden I want to go into those ideas very quickly. Basically, like, okay, here's the idea. Let's get to it fast. Let's get to it fast. Let's get to it fast. I want to get to the ideas as fast as I can. Because I want to do that. But I can't. I can't always do that. So, I decided to do a one-shot today. I created a one-shot for my group, and we were going to play it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the group was excited. They were very excited for this. And I was excited as well because it was... The first time I DM'd in a long time. It was going to be my first time DMing for this group, actually. So I wanted to do a lot of good. So I sat down, got on my computer, and basically went, Hmm, what could I make for this? Think. But I couldn't think of anything. So I just started watching YouTube clips, because that's what I usually do to get the ideas flowing through my head. Then I saw some scary movie clips, and that led me to the movie... Annihilation, which, if any of you know that film, you know there's this one scene in there that's really messed up. And it's a scene that involves a mutant bear that can mimic voices. Yeah, you can kind of see where this is going, can't you? <laughs> so yeah, I decided to make this bear in the one-shot. I decided to put him in the one-shot. I wanted to actually make a stat block for this bear. But I didn't want to make this bear the final boss. Like the, like the movie, the bear wasn't the final boss. It was just another path and another clue that led to the final boss. So I did. I made this bear. I made this fucking bear. And it looks great. It's Mimic Bear. I made it so that it has a... The way it does the Mimic Voices is the fact that it can, like... It can mimic voices if, if it rips out the throat of a human. And it can actually do a lot of this cool stuff that's actually pretty cool. But at the start again, the idea is flowing. I made more of this wood. I made the woods. I made the big boss. I made more creatures because I'm a fucking obsessed man who wants to make things. And I like making these things. <laughs> so eventually I came to head point when the one shot began and the group made their characters. Oxen for one. One that make a character because they could not be able to make it. That's fine. All they made their characters. They're all fun characters. And they're all really great. And, uh, because of that, I decided to make their group a stereotypical group. As in, if you guys have ever seen any anime or read a manga or maybe, maybe read a book, you guys know of this group that it appears in guilds. It's the group that is the bottom of the bell, the worst group of the guild. The group that basically is like, yeah, we're here, we pass by, we, we don't really do a lot, we barely save people, but we get the job done. So yeah. I decided to make them that group <laughs> for, for for a couple reasons. <laughs> Main reason, the characters they made. Let's get that lineup going, shall we? For the first character, we have Igor the Bear. He's a bear folk, he's a barbarian, and he is a dumb brick. 
Literally, he can't read nor can he write. But he is very simple. He's good at fighting, good at brawling, and good at sniffing out the danger. Next up, we got our magic user, the halfling Dolly. She's a wild mage sorcerer who seemingly lads appear to be for fire, even though they're going into the woods today. So you better watch that trigger finger, Dolly. Up next, we have the Grunt Brothers, Laguini and Tweaklet. One's a rogue, one's a monk. Both of them very deadly and cute. This was our group. And uh, this is clearly a group that did not choose to be assigned together. They are like the kids that are basically left alone after the teacher tells everyone to pick a group. No one wanted them in the group, so they decided to make a group themselves. And it, it resulted in this. This should not work, but it did. In fact, it proved to be a bit more chaos than I thought it would be. They worked very well off each other. Surprisingly. But no. Uh, the main plot of the one-shot was that these four people were assigned to go into the woods, check out a disturbance, and seemingly find some missing people that were that went into those woods, along with other guild members that got lost in there as well, or at least the guild members that never came back. So, they went, they investigated, and they sort of found something, sort of didn't. Mainly, the bear, believe it or not, could not locate shit. <laughs> they got distracted by every leaf. They basically kept doing this thing, and it was hilarious even. It was really hilarious. The one who surprisingly was actually really good at finding stuff was Linguini, our grunt rogue. Uh, for those who don't know, grunts are frog people. Well, you know. Uh, but because of this, he was able to listen to nature. He was able to find footprints. But he was also able to hear a cry out for help from a little girl. So they all ran right to the little girl. They all ran to go find her. They eventually did, and all they found was a dead body. Ooh, now I could suffer a group. No. But no, they found this dead body, and it was... This dead body had its uh, throat ri seemingly ripped out. Blood everywhere surrounding it. And uh, people actually looked at this body... They were quite devastated, actually, because of the fact that this was the body of one of the guild members. They recognized his body. Surprisingly, though, the more they investigated this body, they started to notice something weird with the body. Mainly how there was actual, like, surgical cuts on the body. And there were seemingly uh, uh, bite marks on the body. A box that clearly from a bear, but the surgical marks were more human-like. They were more precise, more like a doctor, I guess you could say. It was then that when people realized this body was actually not fresh. This was an old body. This was this body was days old. Moss has already been started growing on this body. They at first thought that the moss was evil. Like, they legit stabbed the moss. Like, can I stab the moss? Yeah, sure, can stab the moss. And, poke, poke. It's a moss. <laughs> uh, they then heard this sound come from behind them. This marshous growl with the little girl crying for help that sounded disjointed and very distorted. It was creepy. In fact, give it a listen. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, I made that, by the way. I made that on Audacity because I wanted to make that on Audacity. And it was a hard work, but I'm glad it worked out because my 
My group was legitimately terrified by that sound. I'm not kidding, by the way. They 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 told me right after that that sound legit was terrified because it was so creepy. I'm glad I was like, yes, validation. My hard work paid off. Yeah. <laughs> but no, my group enjoyed it. They turned around and saw this gigantic brown bear that seemingly was covered in blood, was also covered in black soot. Its neck was covered in black feathers as well for some reason. And their response? Dolly immediately shot a firebolt at the guy. Uh, but they started attacking this bear. They started fucking going at this bear. Bam, bam, eagle ran, claw at the bear. Linguini hid in the log. And the monk Tweaklet didn't really do anything to the bear. Now I think about it, actually. I don't think they punched the bear once. I just realized that. I think they did something else, probably. Meanwhile, this bear had a few tricks up its sleeve. Not only could it actually uh, mimic voices... It could also use those voices to cast spells. Fun, huh? Yeah, my group was shocked as well. The bear also cast a charm person on our barbarian Igor. Yeah, the bear basically took, took the voice of a little boy and basically started saying, Help me, mister. Help me. Protect me, please. Please. Protect me. And... The bear was charmed instantly. He wrote a nat one. <laughs> so she's like, nat one. Yeah, yeah, you're charmed by this bear. Then you believe this is an actual little boy. <laughs> it was it was honestly kind of funny. The fight goes on. They fight hard. They beat this bear quite easily. Way too fast. In fact, I thought this fight was going to take a bit more because I fucking stabbed this bear a bunch. Like, I didn't expect them to be this powerful. The fighter quickly realized that this bear was not the creature that was uh, causing the disturbance in the woods, though it was a part of it. Something made the bear. It wasn't natural. The bear was very much, it, you can tell it had sewn marks on its neck, where the, mainly where the black feathers were, which they found out were Kenku feathers. Someone had sewn this bear with Kenku bits on it, making it so they made voices. Uh, they also decided, Igor decided to take the head of the bear, so that way he could uh, keep it as a souvenir. Also proof. So they decided to go again and go searching in the woods again, until they found a metal door. Now this metal door was a pretty easy DC. All they needed to do was lockpick it. That DC changed when Igor broke the door. I don't mean he hit it and the door came out changes. No, no, I mean he slammed into the door and essentially dented the middle of it. His DC was not high enough to actually break the door. So he dented the door. And when Linguina then tried to pick the lock, he didn't roll high enough either. <laughs> Like, he rode very low, so I just said, okay, so, when Igor went, rocked into his door, he broke the lock. So they then had to break the door with brutal force just to do it. I basically just give it to him, like, okay, yeah, the DC's low enough because you hit the door multiple times. Here you go. The door is just open now. Congrats. Uh, they're rowing low on the stupidest of stuff, but rowing high on the fights for some fucking reason. I don't get it. So the group went downstairs and they found this 
this very beautiful and very, very dark cave that basically led into this lab. Funny enough, though, only one of them had dark vision. That was uh, <laughs> the bear, Igor. <laughs> only he could see because they went dark vision. Now, for those of you who also don't know, I used Roll20 to DM this group. And that's what we use in our campaigns and our one-shots. And I had this map. I didn't make the map. I got off in Connet. But I had this map, and I the one thing I did do was I basically made it look like a light. I, I, basically, I lit the map. I did not use the regular light things because they're too bright. So what I did use instead was just tokens that I had to emit light. And the sun rained and had so it could have a dimming effect. You know? So that way the players couldn't see everything, but it made it look more like a creepy place. Uh, the only rooms that actually were really bright was the, uh, the, 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 the medical room and the bathrooms. Those were it. But yeah, I had a lot of fun making the, the lighting for this because it was just a lot of fun. It was also a pain in my ass because for some reason there were moments where uh, there were certain dark spots, uh, but anyway, it was still a lot of fun to do that. Especially when the players got there, they had a lot of fun with the lighting. They loved how it was lit. I love seeing the players' reactions to how the lighting was. Because like there were points where like, it's a bit too dark in here. And I was like, yeah, it's supposed to be. You can't really see. It's supposed to be a bit dark and you can't really see anything in this place. It was kind of fun. It was kind of fun, especially since the fact that they had to bring out one. The spellcaster had to summon some dancing lights in this place. <laughs> just so they could like... Yeah, I can see. Hooray. But they found this place, got in very easily, went to go look for some very natural stuff. Uh, there were a few locked doors, but because of Linguini, he basically, <laughs> he lockpicked the doors. And his way of lockpicking was basically using Igor's uh, claw to lockpick it. Like there was one moment he rolled a nat 20. And I basically said, he just stuck Igor's lock, Igor's claw in there once and got it on one shot. That's it. Somehow. <laughs> like, it was just a big stroke of luck. And I was like, I was like, that's just awesome. Uh, they explored around and they mainly found that this building was like a giant, uh, sort of like a giant, uh, lab. I guess you could say. Cause there, were, there was like a giant heater. There were some beds. That were seemingly never used, except for one. One was used. It was even a research place that was full of uh, of, of vials of strange liquids, and they tried to drink it. <laughs> They're just like, "Hey, bombs up!" And I base, I had to go like, "Whoa!" I go like, "Uh, Dolly, roll me a intelligence, please." And thankfully, she rolled higher so I could say, "Okay, so before I put this thing to your mouth, you recognize what it is? It's blood." <laughs> And she, and she went, oh, she, no, no, no. <laughs> Put it back immediately. They eventually got to this room that was, that, that was labeled storage. And they found these, uh, the, these pods in the room. These pods were filled with people, mainly people from the guild that they recognized. There's a Goliath in one of them. The Goliath had a uh, seemingly some thing done to it. It had some stitching on it, on its body. And with the stitch, what the stitching was, were parts of the body that were changed, or at least they looked weirdly different. Even though they were the same body pieces, they were just like, it was almost as if something was d changing in them. Like something, like someone did something to their bodies. They even found notes, actually. Uh, they found notes laying on a table that uh, basically told them 
that whoever was running this place was someone who was experimenting with magic, mainly transferring magic from one person to another. And so far, it seemed like he hadn't discovered how to officially done it. Mainly, he figured out how to transfer between animals. The animals were pretty easy upon him. He was able to do that very easily. But he hadn't figured out humans. That wasn't until a couple months ago, according to the notes, he was able to figure out how to finally transfer magic to and from humans. Even do it seamlessly, without, without needing the use of stitches. So he's able to do that, and this seems like what he was doing with these people. He's seemingly trying to transfer magic and experimenting and trying to uh, find ways to give magic to people who don't, who can't do magic. Giving humans even more magical abilities, seemingly even making them higher than gods themselves. And by the way, when I say humans, I mean humanoids. But no, this guy seemingly wanted to become higher than gods themselves, seemingly trying to, uh, again, trying to gain more magical abilities. And... It seemed like he was doing it. He actually had done it. He actually had to find a way to transfer magic. But there were some problems. Some of the experiments he was doing were getting a bit more powerful than he anticipated. And some of them were even escaping from his uh, his lab. Like, for instance, a deer that could fly, some bear that could make voices, and even a moss that could actually uh, help regenerate to uh, original form. It was at this moment that the group actually met another person there as well. A seemingly ragged and dirty human that had that looked like he had been injured on his waist as well, as he was covered in bandages and in uh, ragged clothes. The man was a poor sight. Like, like he was crying. He was telling them, help me, please help me. He he even like was like desperately telling them, please, you gotta help me. He was seemingly trying to get the help as much as I can. They were a bit skeptical of him at first, seeming as like, what are you doing here? What group are you from? Who are you with? And what's your name? He told them his name was Irville, and he told them that he was from the one of the few first groups to come here. And that there was this weird young man with long hair that was seemingly running experiments and trying to do things with his friend, but he, he didn't know what. So they, they brought the man along, hoping to get him back home. Hoping to get him back home, because remember, they needed survivors. Because he's so happy, he hugged Dahl. He's like, "Thank you, thank you so much." And uh, I made a I made a secret role. I'll tell you guys about that later. After some other places a bit more, they eventually realize they eventually realized that the main place they were supposed to go was this big vault locked door. Uh, they didn't know what it led to, but it might have led to the power place, or might have even led to the other experiments. Hopefully, to get more prisoners that they could actually get out, get them out of there. Igor also managed to discover one other thing. That this man was not the man he was saying he was. Obviously, he was the professor that they were talking about. Thanks to his keen sense of smelly smell, he's able to deem that this professor guy was lying through his teeth. The man revealed himself to be Professor Houston, a doctor that was basically trying his best just to, well, figure out the origins of magic. He then remembered that the real over was dead, and he hid him under the under a bed somewhere. The Igor didn't want to hear any of this, so Igor immediately started to attack him. That's when the professor then teleported away from his sight. The professor then revealed that he actually did experiments already on himself. He's actually one of the first, last test subjects that he had done. Mainly because of the fact that 
The professor revealed that he could not do magic before, but now he had the ability to actually gain more magic than ever. Mainly through the power of science! Then a bit of magic as well. Magic is sort of fun. Uh, <laughs> professor then said that he's happy to have more people to experiment with, more ways to get more magic, and then teleported into the vault room, where he sat waiting for them. Now for the vault room, I made an elaborate puzzle that would basically require them solving clues and trying to use logic and even putting even even going into a room and trying to find a secret panel that they then had to organize the blood bios into some project name to get the code for the to get the code for the door. Yeah, they didn't do any of that. No, what instead was they found a little trick I pulled there. The numbers on the floor that I put. That way I could basically gloat and say, Hey, you guys see the numbers on the floor? These are these are the numbers of the code as well. So that way they could realize they didn't have to do any of the work they did. No, they found they found the numbers first. And almost immediately realized how to solve the puzzle. And I was like, Well damn. Good job, group. <laughs> If they then found Professor Houston standing on a platform behind a large purple ball of magic. It was energy that was seemingly constantly fluctuating and rotating, and yeah, it was magic. They could tell it was magic instantly. This man has stored up a lot of magic and in this condensed ball, seemingly for like in case of in case of he needed to use it. Now the magic was now here he decided to then Bring out his other experiments. A gelatinous saber-toothed tiger. A bunch of fire salamanders, a whole swarm of them. And of course, a gigantic ape that had spider legs sprouting from its back. He was laughing, he was like, <laughs> this is going to be a lot of fun. To which Dolly then immediately casted a fireball and took out everyone to half their health points. <sighs> Spent weeks playing that, but no, uh, but no, they had a lot of fun. They fought these guys. They basically had a lot of fun. Just bam, 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 fight, punch, boo. The doctor tried to, to inject a bunch of them with syringes, seemingly trying to poison them. That didn't work out. Eventually, they killed the doctor, which then killed the animals, and which then served the failsafe. The failsafe, by the way, was the fact that the magic drained into a pipe system and then fed into the furnace. This would cause the furnace to then start to overreact and try to blow up the place. I had them all roll a deck save to see how much damage, to see who would take damage from the explosion. Because they could all get up fine. I just want to see who would take damage in this and, and see if anyone would die last minute. Thankfully, the ones who did fail were able to uh, take the damage very quick, very easily. They didn't die. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, but no, they eventually got out of there alright, uh, they went back, brought the head of that mimic bear to bring my proof, and the guild gave them each a thousand gold, which they were happy with. Uh, there was one little thing though, as they were walking down the street, I had to ask them, hey, which one of you did Professor Houston hug? Now, remember that, remember that secret roll I did? It was a sleight of hand roll for Professor Houston. And he wrote a nat 20 on that sleight of hand. Yeah, I'm as shocked as you are. From what Dolly could then flash back to, apparently Professor Houston injected her with something. He doesn't, she doesn't remember it, 
It wasn't until now that she realized what the thing was. She could no longer move her body. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't speak. It was then that she heard a voice from behind her chuckling and basically saying, Let me take over for a bit while you sit back and relax then, shall we? After all, I am a doctor. Professor Houston had basically taken over her body and Dolly was downright freaked out. She's like, no! She also wanted to try to activate her wild magic in her, her wild magic surge. Forget about that, didn't you? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Dolly is a wild magic sorcerer, meaning every now and then she would have wild magic so surges if she rolled a 1 on a d20. Throughout this entire thing, I've had her roll in d20s every time she casts a spell. Nothing! No surges at all! Now, we're at the end of the game, and I let her have another try to roll a nat 1 on a d20 to see if she can activate her wild magic surge to hopefully protect herself and her body. Dolly roll the dice and she didn't do it. Dolly watched as her body was taken over by Professor Hewson. As she could no longer speak, move, only watch. And as the years went by for this character, Dolly never gained control of her body again. Professor Hewson eventually did in with her friends, did in with a bunch of other people and continue experimenting. And right now, he is working on a very special creature. It's a new body for him. Something that could actually help him become even more powerful. Something that can actually store magic in itself. A body that resembled a god. That is, until a new batch of adventurers entered his, his lab and try to put a stop to him. But that is a tale for another time. Now, guys, that was the one shot I made for my group, and they had a lot of fun with that. They had a lot of fun. They loved it. They loved the sound effects. They loved the maps. Of uh, maps, they loved the creatures I made. They loved the story. I'm glad they had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad they did because uh, I have some news for you. I did not. And I don't mean as into, into my plays. My plays are amazing. My plays are great. I don't. I don't hate them. I did not. My reason of not having fun was not because of them. That was because of me. It was because of me, me myself. I didn't have fun because, for some reason, I was bored. For the entire game, I was bored. I think the reason why was because the fact that as a player and as a person myself. I love surprises. I love the mystery of not knowing things. But when I know what happens, then all of a sudden I merely go, why do I care about this? But no, I I just wasn't having fun as a DM. I, th I think that's a, that's the whole thing about me. It's the fact that I am I'm don't like being a DM. I like being a player more. Because I found that if... And that's the thing I learned, actually. The thing I really got to learn about DMs is the fact that if you're not having fun, then the players are not having fun. There were moments where I was having fun. I was generally, I was legitimately laughing with my players, and I had a lot of fun with that. But there were moments when I was just sitting there, bored on my mind, wondering, how long has this been going on? When, 
it feels like it's gone forever. And I, and I'm not used to that. I, I'm used to having uh, sessions with with my DM. I'm used to having play, used to playing a D and D game with my DM and having the sessions feel like 15 minutes, but in reality they've been going for two hours. And I didn't know how to feel about that. I'm probably not gonna do it with one shot. So at least not any for a while. I might do one or two down the future. I don't know, but I just don't think I can do that. Considering the fact that DMing just isn't for me. That's, that's that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing, by the way. If you if you out there are finding out that dimming is not for you, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's just a, it's just not how you play D and D. You can just not be a you can just not be a DM. It's what people do. I like making the characters. I love making the actually the most fun I had the game was actually making the characters because I loved making the bad guys. I love making the villains, the creatures, the monsters. I love making them. It's just that when I played them for my group, I immediately felt none of the excitement I was feeling because I realized I already knew it was going to happen. But hey, who knows, guys? Maybe 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 it's just a one-time thing. Maybe it's just a thing that happened this one time. Maybe maybe next time I deal with one shot, it'd be better. Who knows? Maybe I feel more excitement. I don't know. But anyway, guys, that's it for today's D&D talk. I hope you guys enjoy these videos as well. Please, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. And uh, please, support us any way you can. Again, subscribing can support us a lot. But yeah, guys, that's it for today's video. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And I'll see you guys next time, okay? See you guys. Say bye, Vinny. <laughs> he missed you. He missed you a lot. Bye. Hey, hope you enjoyed this episode of Dini Talk. If you want to catch this episode earlier and in video form, then go check out my YouTube. There you can see me being a big dumb oaf and actually trying my best to be presentable on camera, even though I'm not that great at it. You can also see me playing video games as well as talk about D&D. If you guys want to continue supporting us, then please, please rate this podcast and actually write a review for us. That way we can take consideration and improve in the future, as well as have other people come listen to us. Anyway, thanks for listening. See you next time.